river's full of hope. I've got the urge to walk the prairie and chase the antelope. Aspen's gold on snow-capped peaks, the elk call me away. I can't keep my mind on working on this fine September day. I've got Nimrod neurosis, longbows on the brain. If you go milk a cow and dump it in a jug, there's about one or two percent of the cream goes to the top, so I feel like uh, us traditional bow hunters, we're pretty much the cream of the like crop, it. boys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, well, uh, welcome to the Track Quest podcast. Glad Terry, to be here. Glad to be we here. We got Terry Lytle from The Knocking Point. Yes. And where are you from, Terry? Sand Springs, Oklahoma. Uh, about 25 miles northwest of Tulsa, out in Osage County in a little log cabin in the woods. Oh, that sounds great. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, and we're up here in uh, Bering Springs, Michigan at the Compton Traditional Bowhunters Rendezvous, and it is rather rather humid and warm. Sticky. Sticky out there. <laughs> we're sitting in the in the dining room in some air, and it feels awesome, and we're happy to be uh, sitting here with you. Yeah, it's a little warm up here, but uh, it's a small price to pay to be with the quality of people that you meet up here. Absolutely, absolutely. So how did you uh, uh, get started with bow and arrow hunting? I come from a family, and none of them bow hunted. Uh, my whole family had bird dogs and were quail hunters and trappers and following coon hounds, and I got the urge for a bow watching Fred Bear on television. Wide World Sports. Every week when he was on, I was there, and the fire started burning, and I asked my dad for a bow, and he got me one. And then it just progressed as I got older and older. I was about, I don't know, 12, 13. Back in the late 60s, I got my first real bow. It was a bear grizzly, and there was a elderly gentleman that helped start the state organization. We called him Pappy Kennedy, and he took me under his wing, and I went to shooting fish in the Arkansas River, and that's how it all started. Of course, there weren't any deer in Oklahoma at that time. My dad had cattle, and one day we were checking cows, and there were some deer jumped up and ran off, and I ran the other way because it scared me to death. I had no idea what they were. Wow. No kidding. Yes. How old were you then? 13, 14 maybe. Okay. And how, and how old are you now? Well, I, I'm actually 29. Yeah, 29. No, I'll be 62 in a couple of weeks. Oh, so, so I've security's been, coming. Yeah, I've been been serious with bow, with the bow and arrow since 1967, as best as I can remember. That's what I tell everyone. And I started with the bear recurve uh, in wood arrows. And, of course, I'll show my age here. In those days, I shot natural barred feathers because I couldn't afford the colored ones. They were higher then. So, you know, it's, <laughs> that's been a big circle to make. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it? That's funny. And, you know, it just one thing progressed into another one, and I started bow hunting, and I've just really never looked back. I uh, enjoyed the, the woods, and I was while getting getting anything killed with my bow. But let me tell you, that first deer I, deer I killed with my bow, it was a, a little small basket rack six-point buck, but you had would have thought I had broke Mel Johnson's record with it. There was not a prouder person in the United States than I was. <laughs> how, how, how many uh, years bow hunting until you broke the ice? About five, probably. And there again, you know, I wasn't doing a really good job hunting because I didn't know. And there was not a lot of people to talk to. 
and I did a lot of things wrong, and I, there weren't many deer. I didn't see a lot of deer, and then when I did see one, uh, if I didn't miss, I spooked them from my knees knocking together so hard. <laughs> and one one real regret that I have in my bow hunting so-called career is the pappy that took me in under his wing had some land, and he kept for years, as I was a kid, trying to get me to go hunt with him, and I didn't do it. I was afraid I would embarrass myself because one of the guys that was down there hunting all the time with him was Jim Doherty. And I, later in life, I got to be friends with Jim, but I wouldn't go hunt because I didn't want to embarrass myself. You know, I, I was the kid, and all of these guys were the seasoned hunters, and they killed a lot of deer. And I thought, you know, I, uh, I can't carry these guys' quiver, so I really don't need to be there and show them what I really am. So I didn't go, and I regret that. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Those, those uh, opportunities don't come along like that. No, not very often. Yeah. So uh, how uh, long have you been doing the knocking point? Uh, going on six years now. It's a, an odd history with the knocking point. My good friend Mike Horton founded it in Kansas, and there was a traditional archery 3D shoot in Pawhuska, Oklahoma, and that was his first show to go to, and I knew the people that were putting it on, and I went up there, and he had a little pegboard in the back of a Chevy Love pickup with a few feathers and knocks and a couple of built, dozen built arrows. Well, I needed feathers, and I went and bought them and got to talking to him, and we just hit it off from the get-go. And, you know, it just progressed into a really strong relationship, and then Mike got to uh, wanting to retire, and at that time, you know, I'd become acquainted with uh, Fred and Teresa Asbell, and I was selling their wool, a little bit of it. I was their only dealer for their shirts and jackets and all of that. And Mike invited me up to their local shoot in Topeka, Oklahoma, or Topeka, Kansas, excuse me. And so I went up there and set this wool up, and Mike comes up to me and says, uh, you ought to just buy this and go into archery business. Everyone likes dealing with you, and you've been around it forever. And I looked at him in the eyes and said, are you crazy? What is wrong with you? No, this is never going to happen. And then it went rocked on along and for six or seven months, and I was having some back issues, and I prayed about it one morning. Do I need something else to do? You know, I'm having issues here. I'm getting what concerned. Were you, what were you doing before? Terry? Pipe fitter by trade. Oh. And I actually still do sure. some of that work. I have a great boss in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. I come and go as I please. And yeah. that's the way I'm able to go to all these. But it was just basically when I prayed about that, it was uh, God said, hey, stupid, I tried to give you an archery business. What's wrong with you? You know, you and so I, Mike and I were such good friends that I called him that day on my lunch hour and said I was interested, and we basically agreed on it. And then the first big game classic for Compton's was in Blue Springs, Missouri. And we went up there, and, boy, it was a real negotiation to get this thing worked out. We we were good enough friends that it took about four or five minutes. We did a handshake, <laughs> and here I am. <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool, man. And how long have you been a member of Compton? Uh, six years, I think now, or okay. seven, and I'm actually a life member now. Okay, uh, cool. When I seen what Compton's does for the kids, yep. Uh, they have the bows that they ship to the kids are mailed to my house. I get the kid airs, arm guards, gloves, package it up. Uh, when Will McQueen, that's over the youth 
deal for the kids deal for Compton's he'll call me and tell me where to send it and I send this stuff out well when I started seeing all the good things that they that they do for kids sending out this archery equipment for free and actually even paying the shipping wow I thought why do I not want to be a life member in something like this yeah traditional archery is my life why yeah. not be a life member and get more involved with this and it's really been something that's so enjoyable and to see these kids you know with these bows and there was actually a guy came in to my booth up here today and said do you remember me you sent me some bows and arrows and arm guards and stuff for my kids I said let me correct you I mailed them Compton sent them and yeah. it was the the look in his eyes of the appreciation it was just unbelievable yeah yeah that's what great stuff they do. They're, they're treating us like gold oh, out here. Oh, man, I've never been around such they're, good guys. I don't want to bust the, you guys' bubble, all the but they're not treating you special. They treat everybody like yeah. gold. So, I mean, I, I hate to, to break it to you. No, it's, you're not special. You're just <laughs> run-of-the-mill treatment well, We're special, but it's a different kind of special. It's a way different kind of special. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, you're going to pull the plug on me now after I said that to you? Slow specials. No, but you, he's absolutely right. I'm, uh, yeah. Like the whole traditional community is – uh, it's gold. I mean, the way we all uh, were, you know, from a cut from a a, a different different yeah. cloth, and and I think everyone listening knows that it doesn't matter the events you go to, uh, but Compton Traditional definitely is uh, it, it's the same thing in a in a bigger package. Yeah, um, you absolutely. Know. absolutely. And it's and you meet these guys that are just like you, you know, and and. From whatever city you're in, there may be, you know, like you said, there's a small percentage of us. Yeah. And they're all here. Like, I feel like today, what what time is it? It's after 5. Yeah. Like I, I feel like I talk to, like, three people <laughs> because a guy will come by, and then you talk to him for an hour and, and blah, 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 and then the next guy comes by and says, oh, your day's over. You yeah. know, it's, it's just incredible, man. It's such a good time. Such great people. So you know, you talked sure. about being cut from the same cloth. I use kind of that example, but I use it a little different. I say that us traditional bow hunters are cut, uh, are made of a different kind of metal than the general public. They rust. We don't tarnish. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. Uh, I love that. I love that. So uh, getting into your uh, your bow hunting, uh, maybe we'll start with the equipment. You'd mentioned what you'd started off with. How has the equipment changed for you over the years, and what does it look like for you today? It has changed in the relation that the materials are so much superior, I think, than the than the old days, as I call it. But yet, there's still a lot of them 59 bear Kodiaks originals still out there being still shot today. Done, yeah. uh, I think the bows today may be a little more efficient uh, in the way the energy and their design has come a long ways. And I mean, you know, and then there's the the non-stretch string material like the Fast Flight or the Dynaflight 97 and all that. And, you know, but there's still a lot of us. I still use the old B-50 Dacron on mine. It yep. just, that's what I grew into the sport with. It's a change. And the biggest change, I think, in the equipment is in the arrow shafts. I mean, you know, carbon is the going thing, and I have nothing against carbon. I sell a lot of carbon shafts, but I have never owned a carbon shaft for personal use. I think I've shot five in my mm -hmm. life. I shoot wood. 
in the wood I shoot is I shoot Douglas fir made by Sherwood shafts. Uh, I think it's the superior shaft out there. When I get ready to shoot an arrow, I don't care if I'm shooting at a stump, at a rabbit, or the world record, whatever, that I've never seen yet. I want the best arrow I can get. And so that's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Steve, Bob, and Carson. <laughs> yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate them letting me be a dealer for them and the quality and of products we have. And you're their biggest, you're like by far their biggest dealer, right? They have told me that I am the number one volume dealer there is. And I make the joke and tell customers sometimes, I said, there ain't anybody who sells more Sherwoods than me. And I say, well, yeah, there is. They do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we have yeah. a really good relationship with, with all of those guys. And I look out for them. They look out for me. We take care of each other. And I say that in a camaraderie way. And it's not necessarily just a customer deal. We're friends. I mean, yeah. if I call up there to place an order, I may be on the phone an hour. Hey, you been fishing? Are you hunting? Yeah. What's your plans this year? And where are you going? It's just uh, it goes back to the traditional archery family. It's a, it is a family. It's not just uh, yeah. Nobody nobody's out for themselves around yeah, here, and, and nobody's sure. a stranger. Yeah, no, nobody's yeah. a stranger. Yeah, and, and that's a fact. And you know, I get customers referred to me sometimes i'll get a call and i won't recognize the voice and they'll say this is you know joe johnson or whatever where did, did you get my number you know here last year a guy called but what she has i said where'd you get my number he said big jim told me to call you you'd help me out well there you go yeah. you know yeah. one of your competitors well yeah. no no we are not competitors yeah. that is wrong okay we are in the same business right you know, we are not competitors uh that's what people have a hard time understanding among people in the business is we don't compete. We're all friends. Yeah. yeah. And you know, we see the same thing between uh, – at our shoots, we got Andy Ponce, who here – he's where we're running around. He's addicted to archery. archery. And then we, got, then we got Riley, Steve's son. Savage. Mm -hmm. Savage. He's, he took over Dave Dorn's archery yes. pass. And they all go to the same shoots, and it's like – they're like I, I don't have those. Go see Riley. I don't have this. You know. You know. It's just such a. It's so different than the rest of the world. You know. Yeah. It's, it's not uncommon at all to be at an event like this or at a local shoot and walk into a restaurant and see two or three of us guys in there eating supper together, and we're all in the same business. Yeah. We're sitting there, and believe it or not, about the only thing that's said about the business is having a good show. Yeah. And then it's. It's hunting. It's where are we go. Where are you yeah. gonna do after this? You got that's plans what life's for this? Life's all about, year? right? <laughs> yeah, no, and it's that's just the way it is. Yeah. It's it's not yeah. a competition, yeah. per se. Yeah, and you know, uh, a lot of this false interpretation of people like me that are in the business is that uh, we're just out after the almighty dollar. And yeah. you can ask my customers, and I said it several times a day, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back when I say this. The guy picked a bow up a while ago. I said, what do you think? And he said, you know, the grip feels just a little different. I said, hey, put that bow down and walk. It don't fit. Yep. Don't get used to it. If yeah, it doesn't feel tell. like it fits yeah. when you pick it up, walk off. And I told him, he looked at me kind of funny, and I said, 
I'm not a very good car salesman, I don't guess, <laughs> but I would rather not sell you anything than something that's not right. Yeah. yeah. I want a guy buys a bow or air shafts. I want him to have the best quality he can. I want him to be as successful as he can. Uh, if I sell you a dozen Sherwoods, feathers and broadheads, and you go out and kill an animal, you're proud of it. You weren't by yourself. I was with you. Yeah. And that's the way I look at it. And yeah. I think everybody does it. I want to see everybody successful. And I feel like I'm part of that success. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. Uh, yeah, I relate to that. I think that you're right. It's love at first sight. I mean, you can, I've uh, made, you know, tried to warm up to a bow and, you know, made it work. Um, but the ones that, uh, you know, shoot hot right out of the box are always the best. I tell guys, pick it up. How's the grip? Does the grip fit? Pull it back. How does the draw weight feel? Okay, let's get an air that spined right and go shoot it. Did it hit where you was looking? Within close proximity? Yeah. If those th- three things line up, bingo. That's you're your good. <laughs> my, my personal deal, if I pick up a bow, of course, grip's the first thing. Then it hits where I'm looking. And if it's loud, I lay her down. Yep. Yeah. Quiet is a big deal to me. I don't want an animal moving until it feels a broadhead in the boiler room. Yeah. Yes. And watch them flinch. That's yep. what I strive for. And my hunting bow is that way. Yeah. I, I think the younger generation, because of the um, coming from the compound, the, the speed um, is often um, they, they, they can't leave that behind. And I think that when you really get into this, you realize that a good shooting bow with a heavy arrow will get it done every time. But like you uh, alluded to, that quiet, um, you know, that's in my progression is just trying to get quieter and, you know, get that bow quieter Um, with my, you know, when I switched to wood arrows, I was like, wow, those are quiet. I'm hooked. You know, this bow's quiet. I I think that that has a lot of value. Yes, it does. And and a lot of quieting a bow is... You, you hit on the, the nail on the head as far as I'm concerned. The wood. The wood's not hollow. It's solid. It doesn't echo sound. It absorbs it. Yeah. Well, then when you go to the wood, you get weight. I shoot a 57-pound longbow. I shoot 680-grain arrows. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, you can ask me how fast my bow shoots. It may not sound real professional. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. I had a guy <laughs> ask no me the idea. other day, and I told him, I told him, uh, he goes, well, how fast is that? And I said, I don't know, and I don't care. <laughs> I could care less. Uh, heavy air means quiet, and I relate it to a wreck. I get asked this question by the compound converts. Well, I want to shoot real fast, and I look at them and say, would you rather get hit by Lionel electric train or Burlington Northern with 80 coal cars behind it? Right. Put that weight on there, drive it home. Uh, the best chance to find an animal is put it through him and stick it in the ground on the backside when it comes out, and a heavy arrow will do that. Oh, wait a minute. What arrows do that? You, you, they go right through animals? Well, I have seen it a few times. How's that? <laughs> I've seen it a couple times this year. I uh, <laughs> I guess last year. You know, and the one thing that I have been asked, I've got a really good place to hunt in southeastern Oklahoma. Uh, 
it's, I love hunting down there. I kind of like to drift out to public land occasionally. Well, I'll show up at public land and I may camp and, in a camping area and well, here comes compound hunters in and they'll look and it's just, you know, that's always the question is, how come you do that? Well, it's just kind of what I enjoy. It's pure to me and I get a lot of satisfaction out of it. Uh, well, I don't want to do that. I, I want to be able to shoot a deer at 50 yards. Can you shoot one 50 yards? Well, probably not. And I'm not going to try. And my deal is to them is, is to, uh, do a better job of hunting. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. do a better job of hunting. I am not the great white hunter. I don't claim to be, I've killed a lot of animals in my day, but the thrill is getting close. Yeah. yeah. Whites in their eyes. That's yeah. Uh, just get up there where you can count the hairs on. Yeah. I mean, I had Fred Asbell ask me one time, him and I were shooting together, and Fred said, Terry, what is the most exciting thing you think you've ever shot? And I said, well, you're probably going to laugh at me, Fred. He said, what is it? And I said, I shot about a 65-pound doe in Osage County, Oklahoma. And he looked at me, said, and? I said, and I was sitting on the ground and shot her at six feet. Yeah. I'd done it. I was satisfied. I <laughs> yeah. loved it. Yeah. Uh it just getting close is yeah. really, really just fires me up. When I get really close to one, I don't even have to kill it. I lay in bed at night. Sometimes I can't go to sleep. I'm laying there thinking about it. Hey, I got it done. Right. I got it done. I got there. And I used to be one of those guys I would want to draw my bow back, you know, and just see if I could get it done. I've had to quit that because when I pull it back, I tend to turn it loose. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to Monty Brownie about that. We were talking about it. He said, yeah, I've done that too. I've quit too, Terry, so don't worry about it. We're just alike. I said, yeah, I don't I don't yeah. count coup as the Indians called it. I just kind of sit there and look and go on. And I've, I've killed a few deer that way that I wished I hadn't shot, but it was when it hit the corner of my mouth, that Zwicky was gone. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and I think, uh, uh, like speaking to the younger hunters, um, that there is, there should be a natural uh, progression. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of hype on on television and magazines um, that you got to shoot a a seven year old mature uh, white tailed buck, or you're not doing it right. And and you know, I think that 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 um, can be a great practice to manage a piece of property for the mature hunter, um, but for these young guys getting started, um, and you know, I was guilty of it, you know, myself, just being influenced from the TV and the magazines, being a new bow hunter and passing bulls up and stuff, thinking that I, I wanted to, sh you know, shoot the biggest. And um, I think guys really need to to uh, reevaluate that and 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 you know, get some experience and and whatnot it's there's nothing wrong with shooting a buck a button buck or or a, a doe or a cow or whatever i agree with that uh i have these guys that i talk to and you know i talk to a lot of people and it's man i'm having a really hard time i can't seem to kill one and and i tell them and i think this is the truth and you guys may or may not agree with this it gets a whole lot easier after that first one right you show, you've proven to yourself you can do it. And I agree with you that what they see in these magazines and on television, uh, it's always looking for the big one. I want to kill the biggest 
whitetail in Oklahoma every time I go out. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever seen him, but that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> but let me tell you, you let that big fat doe come by me, and my wife, Sheila, is going to be smiling. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm going to turn up. that wood shaft loose. Backstraps. Here Backstraps and sausage. And, yeah. And there's nothing better than having spaghetti with ground deer meat and tomato sauce on it. Man, that's, yeah. that's, to me, that's one of the things. And traditional archery is getting back to the roots or traditional bow hunting, I should say, getting back to the roots of hunting. And a lot of people don't realize that traditional bow hunting originally started out, let's let's kill something or starve. I mean, you yeah. know, and I, I am guilty of being a meat hunter. Yeah. Uh, if, if there is such thing as guilt, I like to eat <laughs> wild game. I yeah. love it. And so I go meat hunting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't care if... I love to shoot rabbits. I mean, rabbit hunting to me is the best, biggest thrill there is because there's so much shooting of it. You know, yeah. we shoot. I mean, I'm not saying that I kill a lot of them, but I sure have a lot of fun slinging yeah. wood. We've had that discussion with a few guys here about trophy hunting. You know, guys, ah, oh, that's ruining hunting. I said, well, if everybody was shooting a longbow or recurve, there wouldn't be many trophy hunters out there. We'd all we're always going out looking for the biggest one, but man, when that when that other one comes by and it's looking tasty, you're probably gonna let the hammer down, right? So uh, that's and, for sure, man. Yeah. A lot, another thing that Compton's is out to prove is that our style of equipment is a very lethal weapon. Yes. Uh, a lot of people don't realize this, and that's what our archive system in Compton's is about. It's not We're not looking for a world record, but it is living proof documented that our weapons are very lethal. Yes. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to go on a few what I call exotic hunts. And, uh, you know, I went back in the late 90s. I made me a boat arc self-bow. A friend of mine and I, him and I were going bear hunting in northern Maine. I get up there with a bunch of compound shooters, and these guys literally made fun of my bow. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you guys don't know. You have no idea. Well, lo and behold... The first day of bear season, guess who the first one is to kill a bear? <laughs> now, I'm not the great hunter. not the. I don't shoot aspirins out of there. But son of a gun, if I didn't kill the biggest bear, killed all week. <laughs> of course, this yeah. was after I suckered the guide into crawling around the bait barrel on his hands and knees so I could size him up. So, I, And I won't elaborate <laughs> on what he called me. <laughs> he balked when I asked him to stick his head in the bait barrel, so we'll leave it at that. <laughs> You know, yeah. I, I uh, same thing happened when I went moose hunting a few years back. It had always been my dream hunt. Uh, saved up the money and went. And I'm in a hunting situation in Newfoundland. You have to have a guide by law. I go up there. There's some rifle hunters in there. There's compound hunters in there. And this guide comes up to me and says, are you Terry? And I said, yes, sir. He said, well, you're hunting with me this week and I looked at him and said how'd you draw the short straw he said what do you mean I said you got a guy with longbow and wood arrows up here uh you kind of got the bad guy didn't you he said I picked you I said could I ask why he said the people that hunt like you are very particular about their shots angles distance he said 
you put a world champion compound shooter over there and some guy that's been hunting with a stick bow that I've never heard of, he said, I'll take the stick bow guy every time because he's more particular about his shot. He'll wait them close, put it where it belongs. And he said, and he's not looking over saying, what's he measure? Yeah. He said, it's just, and they have fun. He said, yeah. the guys that hunt the way you do, get more enjoyment out of it, more satisfaction, it seems like. And I said, well, thank you. I'll try not to disappoint you. <laughs> <laughs> and lo and behold, I shot a moose at six yards. Perfect. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. He, uh, I shot the moose, if you've got time for a oh, quick story. Stories. Oh. We love stories. I shot the moose at six yards, and instead of him running off, he turned and took three steps towards me. And I was in a brush pile up to my hips, couldn't move. And he leans out to sniff me, and I felt the breath when he exhaled on my hand. <sighs> and I'm standing there with a longbow with no air on it, and I'm thinking, this is not good. Yeah. <laughs> What's the next step? Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> the moose drops his head and starts swaying his antlers and rolling his eyes back, and I thought he's fixing to jump me. And the guide called him off of me. <clears throat> and I said, you know, what happened? He said, longbow. I said, what do you mean, longbow? He said, shoot that moose with a compound, a rifle. He runs over the hill. The longbow, he's seen me show antlers. He thought a bull hooked him. It's quiet. He said, that's the secret yeah. to this stuff. And, there you, go. you know, it was there. And he said, I, I love you guys. And it, it kind of made me feel pretty good i mean uh i shouldn't admit it but i kind of threw my chest out a little bit when i got back to camp and <laughs> lo and behold i uh happened to kill the biggest moose in camp that week i got lucky again yeah that's awesome heck and, yeah and don't get me wrong i've been on those hunts too i went to an antelope hunting in western oklahoma a really good place and i sat four days and never seen an antelope so i'm it doesn't happen every oh, time yeah. you know yeah. i've had those yeah. days i've went and not turned an arrow loose all year at a whitetail before. And yeah. then one day, one time I went out and got lucky and had two walk by and killed two in three days. But, you know, yeah. that's not the norm for our sport. It's uh, our sport. You earn what you get. Luck, you get lucky, but when you get lucky, you pay the price in the long run. It's yeah. going to average you, out. You earn what you get. You earn get. the luck, yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. You lucky. reap what you sow, that's for exactly. sure. I know I was hunting last year, and I would came down with a blood disease, and I was going through chemotherapy. I was sick all season, but I hunted. And former president, Marv Cochran, would text me, are you in the tree? Yes, Marv. Keep me informed. Okay. And I was, you know, and then one day he called me and he said, are you in the tree? Yes. Have you killed anything? And I said, only one diamond back. <laughs> I had walked all over one outside my truck. <laughs> but, you know, and it, uh, that's awesome. I ended up. Dennis Harper, the current president now, laughed and told me, he said, I was the only guy he knows that's ever had chemotherapy on one day and killed a deer the next with a longbow. So I, right now <laughs> I'm the unofficial champion, but I wouldn't, I don't want to do it again, and I hope no one else has. Yeah, no kidding. But it's, uh, this is your first trip to the rendezvous. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. And the bad thing about the rendezvous, you're here and now – you're addicted. <laughs> yeah. You will be back. You'll be back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Seems like everybody we talk to, you guys come every Yep, we come every year. So, and it seems they, they were saying they got a 
pretty big campground was full this morning that or you know the field pretty pretty darn full yeah, and i hear it's saturday it's it's really going to turn on tomorrow. uh tomorrow there will be a lot more people here uh they'll be pulling in tonight from my experience, I'm no expert. Uh, the Compton's board or the Bering Springs Sportsman's Club can give you more on numbers. I gauge the campground, and I'm in the same little corner by the river every year, and I look overlook the campground, and I, I look at And this year, on Thursday morning, it looked to me like there was almost as many campers as there was last year on Friday. So, I wow. mean, there's a big turnout. The weather's wonderful up here. And yeah. Of course, it was advertised of who all was going to be here, and a lot of th members, I think people like you showing up that's never been here, it makes a lot of the members, if they're on the fence about coming or not, they show up to meet the, the new guys on the block, like you all, <laughs> and make them feel welcome. You yeah, know? It's, yeah. Uh, that's happening, that's yeah. for sure. It, it is happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's a... Uh, I'd say it's a family. That's all yeah. you can say. Compton's is a family. I noticed the campground when I pulled in this morning, the camping. I was like, wow, that, that sure turned on pretty quick. Yeah. And this is the St. Joe River? St. Joseph River, as far as I know, it's a beautiful river. I mean, this is the only place I've ever been. I looked up yesterday and watched kayaks go by. I mean, you know, <laughs> and I'm looking there thinking, let's see, I'm working and they're riding kayaks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great place to have the event. You know, with this many people, there's got to be some infrastructure here. So the club that lets us do it here. Uh, one thing about this place, and I am a staunch Compton's member. I support it in any way I can. I travel all over the country in the archery business or the traditional archery business, going to bow shoots and all of this. Uh, I promote membership, look for new members, and explain why they should join. And the one thing I hear is a misconception that's all over the country about Compton traditional bow hunters. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, that's a Michigan club. No, it's not. It's yeah. the national traditional yeah. bow hunting. And notice I didn't say traditional archers. I said traditional bow hunting organization. Yeah. I have nothing against target archers, but we're a different breed. Yeah, yep, and for sure. I tell these guys, it's it's not just for Michigan. There, there's a reason it is in Michigan every year. I'm all over everywhere. I haven't seen a facility that will even come close to comparing to this facility. Yeah, yeah. it's uh just outstanding. I mean, there's yep. there's no. I don't see a way to improve the place. It's yeah. I don't know what you could do to change it. Nothing no, can be do to better it. No, this place is well ironed. I mean, it is nice. It, yeah, it, it's well kept. Yeah. It's a great we place. We found us a great little podcast spot in here too. Yeah, yeah. It's it's <laughs> cooking outside. Out and, and it's nice and perfect. cool in here. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a little warm and humid outside. It's cool in here. We've got this ceiling <laughs> fan. I, I may have to start talking a little slower to, to drag this out and stay cool in here. And maybe my guy with me will have yeah. the trailer packed when yeah. I get out there. You know, exactly. Heck yeah. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Yeah, I think uh, I, I we, here on the podcast we're, you know, we're trying to promote traditional archery, traditional bow hunting. Uh, this is a bow hunting podcast um, to the masses, and I think one of the most important things to get a guy, um, you know, fully converted uh, or introduced to our way of life is mentorship. Exactly. Um, yes. And, and it's really important. Um, I know that, you know, I was lucky to have several really good uh, mentors and still do. And I think organizations like this 
you're going to find them. You're going to touch bases. You're going to you're going to find about about a guy that happens to live down the road from you. You know, you might meet a guy who says, "Oh, you live here." Well, my buddy lives just. And next thing you know, you've got a mentor. Um, you come to an event like this and get treated the way you were treated here, and, and I think it's hook, line, and sinker every time. A lot of uh, the problem with getting traditional bow hunters together, and I don't mean this to be derogatory in any way, a lot of them are hermits, kind of. Sure. Yeah. Because there's nobody around them locally. Uh, one of my really, really good friends I went to the first big game classic for Compton in Blue Springs, Missouri, and I walked in. First person I met face to face was Marv Cocker, and we had talked on the phone. And then I seen this guy standing over there, and I walked over and I started talking with him. And you're a Compton member? He said, Yeah. I said, Where are you from? He said, Oklahoma. Really? He said, Yeah. I said, Where? He said, Begs. And I said, I'm only about 35 or 40 minutes from you. Uh, he said, Where are you at? And I said, Sand Springs. He said, what's your name? And I said, Terry Lytle. He said, well, I'm Tom Cole. And I said, you know, I've had people for years ask me if I knew you. And he <laughs> said, well, I have you too. He said, everybody that say you hunt the same way Tom Cole does or you hunt the same way Terry Lytle does. And we'd never met. Compton's got us together. Right. Yeah. And now we are great friends. So we bear hunted in Canada together. We've antelope hunted together. I mean, we go stump shoot together. Uh, yeah. Get our wives gathered up and go eat pizza together. It's just great. And this organization is doing a lot of that, of bringing like-minded bow hunters together. Mm -hmm. uh, and one thing that Compton's is striving to do, and all of us as traditional bow hunters need to do, we've got to recruit the younger generation, whatever it takes. I mean, mm -hmm. you guys are young. Nah, no, really. But. <laughs> you you are young. Watch me get out of bed in the morning sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> You're young. Uh, you know, you see a lot of us long in the tooth, white-haired guys out here. Yeah. We we need to recruit the 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 younger guys to to keep this legacy going. We got to have somebody to carry the torch. Yeah, that's what the podcast. I mean, that's that's. What Basically, I mean, this is not uh, a money-making venture. This is a money-losing venture. This is yeah. a this is about promoting traditional bow hunting. This is a uh, uh, about you know making uh, these connections, uh, not just for us, but trying to connect other people um, to to this uh, lifestyle. Yeah, when James and I got together and you know talked about starting one, it was like all that we we were both podcast junkies, you know, and listening to the all the gritty bowmen and all the hunting podcasts that start popping up and they're interviewing these guys they're talking like this guy's the greatest hunter in the world like blah 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 and i'm like what i know because i have been you know obsessed with traditional arts as a little kid i read every magazine you know dick robertson doug Bo like every article in traditional bow hunter like i knew all of the guys that were hunting fools and i'm like somebody has got i remember i talked to you I was like we need to do a road trip and we need to blast across montana we can get this guy and that guy and we'll head to colorado and like we had this these this list and and i actually looked back at our list a while back and i'm like we have gotten almost every one of them yeah i mean and that, and that was our goal is to share guys like you and and with every you know that younger generation to let them know like hey these guys are great people i'm not talking down or bad about these other guys or their but but these guys are the next level definitely you know, and, and, and to make this go full circle for. 
with this list, we've been fortunate to make friends with these wonderful men and Connie Renfro. <laughs> Thanks, Connie. Thank, thank you, Connie. We love you. Um, but, you know, just high-quality caliber of men, and I, I love them all, but one really stands out to me. Well, two. I mean, I'm Larry D. Jones, uh, me and Bob, you know, he – He's our local uh, icon, our hero. I mean, we love that guy. But I met him once years ago. Uh, he didn't know me from Adam, and I walked up to him and told him, I said, Mr. Jones, I'd just like to spend a few minutes with you. I said, I hunt with a longbow and wood arrows. And he looked at me and grinned real big. And about an hour and a half later, I walked <laughs> off. Yeah. And there, he is a great guy. There, that's the kind of people that you see at these places right and you know what you guys said about what you're doing to promote this you know everybody out there will probably laugh at this i'm going to show what a hillbilly i am when i was approached about this i kind of said, what's a podcast you know <laughs> right you know, yeah you're not the first guy um, but, but that other person um you, you know who we've also had on the podcast twice now uh marv clinky uh marv, marv is the is is for me I hold him really high. I think he, I have yet to meet him in person. I'm going to put some effort towards that. Um, I try to call him, but at least once a month, if not, uh, I mean, lately I've been every couple of weeks. I can't get enough of talking to him. Uh, I can't wait to get him back on. He's and he's the guy. I'd heard of Compton, sure. I mean, I'd heard the name thrown around. I'd seen the ads, uh, you know, in traditional Bowhunter magazine. But when I started spending some time with Marv on the phone, and he started talking about Compton yeah. and the value system and what it stood for and what it meant to be a part of it. It was like, uh, this is, I'm, I'm paying attention and this is something that we need to, to get involved in because, um, you know, if, 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 if it's something that Clinky believes in, then it's something <laughs> I'm going to believe in for sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. this may be before your time, but there was a TV commercial years ago that was EF Hutton Investments and, when E.F. Hutton talked, or I think that was the one, everybody shut up and listened. Yeah. Marv Clinky's one of those guys. He's one of those, and there's a lot of those in Compton. There is. That yeah. when them guys talk, you need to listen because yeah. there is so much knowledge and so much stuff to learn from these guys, uh, and we need to glean all from them we can to pass it on down to the exactly. younger generation as we exactly. were talking. And, you know, yep. and it was like you guys said a while ago, you're – you're in this to promote traditional archery. Uh, that's the reason I agreed to this. I've never – I've been interviewed for a newspaper at home, but this is a worthy cause. If it weren't for that, you know, I'm a little <laughs> uncomfortable at this. I've never done this before, so uh, I thought, yeah, I'll make a fool of myself at this. But I, uh, uh, We wouldn't let that happen. <laughs> yeah, it, well, you told me you can edit, so if I yeah, get too yeah, carried away. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's uh, – I think this is a great thing you guys are doing, and you're doing it the right way with class. We and I'm not saying that. that because you're here, because you can ask anybody that knows me. I'm kind of known for being a little blunt. I'll say it how, <laughs> call it how I see it. Yeah, I've noticed that. We, we like that. We like that's that. What, yeah. what we and so can. don't get me started on <laughs> yeah. don't get me started on crossbows. Okay. <laughs> oh, feel oh, free. <laughs> So how do you think the uh, – you've been in the business six, seven years? About five or six. Five or six? Five or six now, yeah. So in, in that short period of time, 
how do you see the progression? Do you think things have stayed the same? Do you do you see uh, an upswing in age class? They're getting involved. Uh, what what has been your observation? When this movie, The Hunger Games, came out, there was a big upswing in traditional archery. Uh, that kind of died off. But one thing that I have noticed is that there, I'm seeing a lot more women involved in traditional archery. Uh, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of women here yeah. shooting and talking about hunting with their husbands. It, it, there's a lot of that going yeah. on. It, uh, And when the women are involved, well, like you said, you see a lot of them here. You see mom, dad, and the kids here. Yeah. And that is a That's lot what of need. what the core value of our country needs. Our sport is growing that relationship in parents. A lot of what's wrong with our country is broken families, I think. Yeah. And I'm not trying to yeah. get political here. Yeah. But I think it's the truth. And one of my favorite sayings is, and I, I sometimes, or a lot of times, I compliment the families I see coming in. With their kids, the, the mom, the dad, and all the kids. And I'll say, you know, I love to see this because I'm seeing your little boy or your little girl or all your kids out here dragging a stick bow around shooting. You know what? I'm not going to see them on the 6 o'clock news in five years. Right. Yeah. Because of the values their parents are showing them and the values of the people they are getting acquainted with out here and, and, these, and being with. And these shoots to the people here, it's just – you know, I have a three-and-a-half-year-old daughter. It's weird for her not to be here because, you know, back at home in our shoots, you know, we always bring her in. And Andy, we got Andy's little guy with us. And, and you can just let them go. Like, they just go play. Yeah. You know, it's not one of those things where you got to just, like, worry about them every second. At any traditional event, I tell people, you don't need to lock your doors. You don't need to worry about your children. Don't get too much uh, of that. And I don't do that <laughs> anywhere. I mean, I, I got three little girls, and I'm not going to just set them loose. But when you're in this community – uh, everybody's looking out for everybody. Like old days. Tell you something to watch for in the vendors if you haven't noticed. You'll walk by the vendor setups, and a lot of times there will be a guy, you know, he'll have thousands of dollars worth of merchandiser. He won't be there. Right. Yeah. He's wanting to get something to drink, something to eat. Oh, we're recording podcasts right now. Yeah. Ours <laughs> is just all we got there. some shirts and hats. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it uh, stuff doesn't yeah. walk off. No, no. You don't have to worry about it. Uh it's just the way it is. Yeah. yeah. Different different breed. One percenters. Well, like I told you. <laughs> yeah. Well, they rust. We don't, man. That's the way all you can say. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Uh, why don't we uh, get a little bit into uh, hunting? I mean, is, is whitetails uh, your main gig? Are you going out west at all or uh, hunting some pigs? What do you, what do you, What is Terry into nowadays? I love to whitetail hunt. I think it, it may be because it's so close and one reason I love it so much is right now the piece of property I'm hunting is the best piece of property I've ever set foot on for whitetails. I mean, that it helps. just, yeah, that helps a lot. <laughs> I'm not a really a pig hunter. There's pigs in that area down there, but I haven't had a chance to shoot one. I've got a rancher friend that lives by me. He's got land with pigs all over it. And he keeps saying, come up and kill a pig. I just haven't got there. I, uh, Love to travel and hunt, but kind of tied down with the business, which is not a bad thing. Yeah. And, you know, we've got some excellent hunting in Oklahoma. Uh, yeah, you still don't hear anything about Oklahoma whitetails, but it seems like the last 
five or six years, you start. I start hearing a little bit, seeing a big buck. Don't you guys have a, a Air Force base or something that has a traditional only draw hunt? It's the Ar- an Army ammunition plant in McAllister, Oklahoma. McAllister, uh, yeah. It's longbows and recurves only. No stabilizers, no sights, uh, nothing like that. It is huge deer on this place. Uh, there's a lot of deer, of course. Now they're deer, and after they hear the gravel crunch for a couple of days, they get kind of oh, yeah. dicey yeah. on finding them. Uh, it's a draw-in hunt. Uh, usually about every third year a person can draw in. There are bucks down there that the people on TV would like to get on film. Yeah, I've seen some pictures. And how did that get developed? Do you know how they how they were able to form this traditional only season there? There was a guy named Bill Starry was over the hunts down there, and there was a lot of small bucks getting killed, and they decided that they wanted to improve the quality of the hunt, and he had to get it approved. And he took a piece of paper and a pencil and drew a big circle on this piece of paper, then he drew a circle about halfway between there and the center, and then just a little ways from the center, he drew another one. He said, this uh, outside circle, that's 150 yards. Any deer that walks within that 150 yards with a rifle dies. Okay? He comes to this next circle. He says, this is about 75 yards. Compound bow. They're not going to kill all of them. There are going to be some bad hits. They're going to miss some. But there's going to be some, a lot of little bucks, whether they're recovered or not, are probably going to die. But now these deer that are out here at 150 yards, they're safe. He said, you see this other circle in the middle? That's traditional bow hunters. This circle is 20 yards. Anything that comes within that 20 yards has got a pretty good chance of getting an error in it. Now, this 75-yard one, he's safe. safe. This one out where the rifle hunters are, 150, he's safe. Of all these bucks, there's a certain percentage going to come at 20 yards. The rest of them are safe. The key to quality big deer, if that's what you want, is to let them grow older. If you can't kill them, you're stricter with your equipment, they're going to grow older. Not to say it's not lethal, he said, but you have to do it right. Yeah. And they love for you to kill does down there. They they try to keep their buck-to-doe population one-to-one, which they say is the ultimate for the premier gene pool that only the best bucks will breed. And that's the way they worked, and... I just happened to hunt about five miles from the corner of that place as the crow flies. Nice. So <laughs> that's why I love you the place a bunch I of hunt. Big yeah. doe decoys up there. Yeah. So <laughs> actually, yeah. I don't. I don't decoy. <laughs> I just, just kind of sit there. So yeah. would you would you say this would be a fair statement? Now that this property um, has uh, a healthy herd with uh, a good age class of animals running around, and like you said, even the TV guys would like to hunt there. If they were to open that up to a draw for uh, any archery tackle, would you say that you probably would have to wait 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years to hunt instead of two? I would guess you would. And let me elaborate on one thing this deal has done. Uh, People know the quality of deer down there. So there will be guys, and I have this happen every year, 
they'll send in to draw the tag. They'll get drawn. They don't even own a traditional right. boat. They call well, Terry. My phone call starts ringing. <laughs> yeah. They come out to the house. And, you know, we'll set them up with quality stuff. But there has been a pretty good percentage of these guys. They've drawn this tag. They've got this recurve or longbow. I try to start them all with a recurve because right. I feel they're a little easier to shoot. Yep. And they'll get to practicing with this thing, and they like it. And guess yeah. what happens then? They Compound for back. sale. Yeah. Compound for sale. We got us a recurve. We're having a ball, man. That's right. Things happening with our trout I mean, creek. I'm, I'm a prime example. We got two traditional-only hunts. Uh, one's a mule deer hunt. Um, I drew the tag. Um, I, I got a recurve. Still had the compound. I'm shooting both. I realize I got to really put the time in if I'm going to go on this hunt. I put the time in. As soon as I got proficient with the the, the recurve. The compound, I was like, I don't even need that anymore. I, I grew out of the, the training wheels, per se, and it, it brought me right in. And that's why me and Bob are very passionate about traditional-only seasons. And uh, it seems to be kind of a controversial topic. Um, we've recently started a new segment in the podcast. calling We were calling it Making Bow Hunting Better. And uh, we're going to put some uh, emphasis on um, more traditional hunts because we feel it's a great opportunity uh, to, because we don't want these opportunities for us. This is not the James and Bob season. This is a, an opportunity for everyone to pick up a lesser weapon and have an awesome opportunity somewhere. And, we, you know, I love hearing about um, more of those. And uh, it's, I think it's really a really a great way to yes. promote our, our, uh, our way of life. Yeah, and I agree. And, you know, I laugh. Uh, I get these guys all the time that says, well, you know, I hunt with a compound too. And I tell them, if my wife or grandkids are around, I'll tell them, don't use that language around my family. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then I tell them, you've got a what? And they'll say, I've got a compound. I'll say, you say you've got a contraption? Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah. I laugh. I've got a real funny story if you've got a second. Uh, I, uh, my middle son has two little boys. Of course, when they were born, they get a bow right now. <laughs> they can't shoot it, but they get a bow, quiver, right. arrows, and all this. Well, they like to go to the local Bass Pro Shop and see the animals you know, on the yep. wall. Yep. So, I mean, they're looking at grizzly bears. So my son takes them up to the archery department. And my three-year-old grandson, Wyatt, they're standing there, and this guy comes by carrying a compound bow. Wyatt's never seen this stuff. Wyatt grew up as a Lytle. He knows longbows and recurves. That's it. And he says, Daddy, what's that? <laughs> and Trent said, well, that's a bow, son. He said, that's not a bow. Look at it. What is all that stuff hanging on there? <laughs> I mean, they say Three -year -old. from the from the mouth of babes comes the truth. Uh, yeah. I'm proud he's from my lineage on that one, you know. Yeah, one of my youngest daughters, I took her to a shoot. It was a, a predominantly compound shoot, and she gets out of the truck, and I'm stringing up the bows. And she said, Dad, all these guys are uh, – I don't remember what she called them uh, – she said, none of these guys are shooting real bows. <laughs> yeah. and, and real loud. And everybody stopped looking. I was like, shh, yeah, don't, babe. We're going to get lynched. Yeah, we're going to get lynched. <laughs> and, hey, we we love all hunters. We have family members and friends that uh, hunt with all weapons, compounds. Um, you know, and we, we, we love all our hunters and all our bow hunters. Um, you know, it's just not the same. Um, and we just are passionate about the way we do it. And we want to promote that. And 
uh, you know, going back to those traditional only seasons or just getting well, just, mentorship. Just technology in general. I mean, not to go, like I said, we don't want to get play, we don't get crazy here, but but it's not just about the traditional part. You know, we, we've we've got some lined up. You know, there are trail cameras. Those are a big hot issue right now. They just – Nevada went from – from unlimited trail cameras now, August 1st to December 31st, no trail cameras. Arizona, um, just, just I don't, their commission meeting was right before we left for here, so I don't know what they're turned up, but they're talking about not doing them within, eighth, within a quarter of a mile, I think, yeah, from the water. water. Like, like all this technology, you know, whether you're listening to this or you're a compound guy, we throw some jokes, but all this technology in the end, it's, it's – and it's – happened over my last 20 years you know time i've been seriously bow hunting it's limiting our opportunity right and that's that's not what we want as bow hunters you yeah. know we need those liberal seasons we need to be able to hunt during the yeah, rut i need we 30 days i need a 30 yeah. day elk season yeah and and so and i think it's at a point in time where this talking about this in 96 would have been a big deal everybody you hate compounds you're you're an, an ass well i think now the tech the, the difference has gotten so far that even compound guys now are like okay yeah we know it's not the same you know yeah, so it's not the same so hopefully we can uh yeah, and I don't want to. I mean, it's, it's funny that we. I don't want to see it go away. I was telling. Was it on the way up here? I was telling you, like, there's one in Oklahoma, another yeah. traditional. See, we were having this talk, and then we just. Yep. Ran, by the ran, grace, ran. we meet Terry, and. Well, yeah, and, I don't and, know if that was good or bad <laughs> on your part, but. And I don't want to see uh, uh, guys with you know. I don't want to see this uh, guys not have opportunity to get in the field, but as the um, the technology increases and the opportunity decreases. I just want to see that we are recognized for uh, a close-range um, hunting style that has got a low impact on our wildlife, and uh, we can keep a uh, liberal seasons and have uh, opportunity to get into wild places and pursue wild things. We are in danger of losing that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I strongly feel that. Uh, crossbows are here. I don't think we're going to be able to get away from them. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> they are not bows. I shouldn't call them a crossbow. If you put a stock to your shoulder, look through a scope or a sight, and pull a trigger, it is not a bow. No. Period. Yeah. They've got these crutches, as I call them. They're putting scopes on these things. And I talked to a guy that had one. He killed a deer, he said, at 82 yards. I seen the deer. What have you done? Right. And and I was talking with another guy, and the compound can be a, a gateway weapon um, if you get exposed to the right group of people and move like I did um, to the recurves and the longbows and even self-bows. Um, but from we don't really, we don't have crossbows in season in Oregon. I think we're the last state standing that doesn't have them, and they're coming. But he was like, the guys that get the crossbow – they're not even looking to move to a compound or a stick bow. Like, it's not archery. So it's just a, a device to, to go out and kill in uh, the liberal season. Just to season. take advantage of that. To yeah. take advantage of the liberal season. And easy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, of course, my, if Sheila were here, she'd be kicking me on the ankle when I say this. <laughs> but they're too lazy to put the work in. Right. Yeah. That's my yeah. opinion. And yeah. Instant gratification. And Yeah, you're right. And the problem with that is it's easier 
they shoot a compound and kill a bow at how far could they kill them? 50, 60 yards? I don't know. I'm asking. Yeah. Oh, do they do that? 100. 100 out west, 100 yards. Okay. Yeah. Well, you do we, that. We both personally get told stories every year from friends. Or oh, I know guys that, that, make yeah. not, that make good, clean kills uh, at 100 yards. They put the time in with, with those uh, weapons, and they get them tuned in, and they're efficient. I mean, I don't blame these guys. If they're, they're hitting pop cans uh, five out of five times at 100 yards, and you put a, a buck in front of them, they're going to shoot. And why wouldn't yeah. they? But the problem with that, and correct me if I'm wrong, I've been wrong a lot of times in my life, probably several times in the last day or so. <laughs> but when you do that, are you losing woodsmanship skills? No, the woodsmanship skill is a, is, is becoming a lost art. Yeah, it's, it's dying. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it's just like the long-range rifles. Guys are uh, sh- shooting 1,000, 12, 1,400 yards out west. You're becoming a, uh, a a efficient shooter. It's not about hunting anymore. It's it's about executing a uh, a long shot. You know, one of my goals in life, I want to take my grandsons out. I want to learn them to read a compass. How many people carry a compass these days? And I'm not. If you guys got GPSs, more power to yeah. you. That's your prerogative, not yeah. mine. But I want my grandkids to learn to use a compass. Right. Uh, if they get a GPS, fine. If they drop it or the water or fall on it and break it or the batteries go dead pull a compass out and use it mm-hmm. i've never owned a gps but uh, apparently yeah. they're pretty <laughs> yeah Re- reading sign and yeah le- learning about thermals and um you know the list goes on just recognizing yeah. uh feed and what what animals uh but man eat. it's it's the american way you know just take the easy route I mean, that's that's the tough part. And, and I don't think we're going to get rid of um, any of this technology. It's here to stay. It's mm-hmm. moving forward. It's yeah, here. That's that, what that, I mean. And, and so we're we fine gotta, with it. We've got to start limiting. Yeah, different yeah. strokes for different folks. But let's keep the archery seasons intact um, at the end of the day for uh, at least for the guys that are shooting um, traditional archery equipment because we're still a, an asset to – uh, the wildlife managers, because we're still a very low impact on the wildlife, yeah. um, and and let's not lose that. And I think that's the the good fight that we're looking to make. Like we don't want to see people lose their chance in the woods. We think everyone should have the right time slot, um, but uh, l- let's not ruin this uh, liberal season that um, our country's you know state by yeah, state has uh, developed. For, yeah, for sure. yeah, my biggest fear. Is a one season, take whatever you want to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. my biggest fear. Yeah, yeah. simplify uh, it. and The more technology they use in the weapons, the more animals are going to be taken with those weapons. And I could say harvested, but I harvest my garden. I kill animals. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, uh, I'm afraid we will get a shorter season, hunt with whatever you want to, and – us at this table and our comrades all across the nation are going to be the ones to pay the price because we're going to have to fight tooth and nail because, as you said, we're the 1%. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 1% with 99% yeah. against us kind of. Oh, for sure. So we've got to fight tooth and nail. We can't give ground. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not from – I think it was Kentucky that was bringing in an airbow deal. Yep. 
Tennessee, was it? Tennessee, was it Tennessee Kentucky. I think. Well, yeah, yeah. We, we reposted that. Is it Tennessee? I think so. Yeah. I seen that, and I thought, you know, I, actually, I think I seen it on the the Comptons, some of their stuff. I actually got on computer that yep. night, and they had a link there to, to some lawmaker, mm-hmm. and probably didn't do no good. I was one old boy from Oklahoma he's never heard of, but I said, I'm a traditional bow hunter. I do it right. I don't hunt your state. So, you know, you may think that your wildlife laws and regulations are none of my business. They may not be. But I can promise you one thing. If you legalize this air bow, which is not a bow, but a gun, in your state, you will never see a penny of tourist money gasoline or anything bought from me mm-hmm. i am not alone there are a lot of us so you want to do that fine when you shoot yourself in the foot economically there you go because i want nothing to do with people like yeah. this. It, it's the manufacturers i mean they create these products and then they've got to find a way to get them yeah, into the season they can get yeah. that in a season bam they're bam, gonna get the, rich they're gonna get rich and, and that uh uh and and serving up uh instant uh gratification you know to, yeah. to guys um is appealing it's you know it's just human nature i guess and yeah i think that some guys will be like oh they're back on their soapbox elitists this that <laughs> so on and so forth and uh, you know i want to remind you guys like this isn't about us we we want uh this is about hunting and everybody has the opportunity to go with a lesser weapon and to uh um you know better themselves as a hunter um you know, and we're waiting, Bob, 17 years to get an elk tag in Nevada. Um, I can guarantee you if they had a uh, traditional only hunt in there, he may only had to wait two or three because it was a smaller group of for more than that, but maybe smaller group of guys. Ten, maybe 10, half the time, I, I would imagine. Sure, that are, are going to want to put in the hard work. Yeah. Uh, they don't call it hunting the hard way for nothing. And yeah. another thing that we do, is a lot of us, and I hear a lot of traditional bow hunters talk about this. Now, every time I strap my boots on or string my bow and grab my back wherever full of wood airs, I'm going to, I plan on killing something. One of the best days I have had in years hunting happened last November. I never pulled my bow back that day. I hear a commotion up the side of the mountain from me, and I look up, and I see a buck of a really nice, big mature buck on his hind legs working a licking branch then i watch him make a scrape and then i watch him and another buck square off a little bit they didn't fight but they just kind of squared off and i never pulled my bow back that day but you know how many times i've seen that once (laughs) uh that meant a lot to me heck yeah it uh i never pulled my bow back and that goes back to the mentality of and like the airbow deal we were talking about in the manufacturers, that all goes back to TV. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And if you if you can shoot out rifle ranges, you're not going to ever allow yourself to have those intimate encounters to see animal behavior. Mm-hmm. And and those encounters, you know, like me and Bob were saying in just the podcast we did before this, those uh, have a lot of value. Yes. And sure. there again. Had I been carrying a contraption to make it easier, I might have already killed deer, and my time in the woods might have been over. Over. I yeah. might not have been there. 
and I would have missed that. We, as traditional bow hunters, as you said, we don't have the impact on the wildlife, so we spend more time out there. Oh, yeah. The more time we spend out there, the more time we see. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And the more, more we see out there, the more we learn about animal behavior. The more we learn about animal behavior, the better woodsmanship gets. The better the woodsmanship gets, the better hunter you become. If you guys... I'm not that guy, but you guys know some of them old men that goes out there and seems like they just get it done time after time after time after time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. They've spent the time. Yeah. They've seen the animals. They've learned the animals' characteristics yep. and behavior. Made them better hunters. Oh, yeah. It's the best. The yeah. best. Yeah. yeah. Like like Marv Klinke you were talking like about. Like Marv Klinke. I mean, he was the first guy. Was it the Big Eight they used to call it in Colorado? Yep. He was the second guy, I think, in history to do it. The first one to do it with a stick bow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Still. Gary Renfro's done it. Yeah, and I, I mean, if, if you guys are listening and are, are just getting into this or just ran into this by chance, um, you know, we feel like even if you are hunting with any other weapon, if you want to learn about woodsmanship, you want to learn about um, these skill sets, l- listen to these guys we're talking to. It doesn't matter what weapon you, you take out, you are going to learn um, because these are, these are the best. They're the best of the best. They're getting it done inside of 20 time in and time again on uh, all the different critters we've got. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, it, it is definitely worth everyone's, uh, every hunter to, to listen to these guys and learn from them. Heck yeah. Sure. And I relish the opportunity to be around these guys. Uh, I'm an old man and you guys have me on here as a guest, but I in no way include myself with these guys you all are talking about because I ask questions i listen to them and some of the most enjoyable times i have is when i ask them a question about something and i'm doing it the way they do right and that happened with, and, with and marv clinky one time i you, i asked him about ladder stands i said you know marv i leave the bottom section off my ladder stand when i hang one i don't like the angle that steep i want to be down he looked at me and he said i do that too and that meant a lot to me. I thought, hey, you know, I got something in common with this guy here a little bit. A yeah. little bit, not a lot, but a little, but it, yeah. it kind of made me well, you know, made yeah. me feel good about yeah. it. And yeah. he was glad to talk to me about it. Oh, Marv. You're 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 an important piece to the puzzle. Uh like uh um Andy at Addictive Archery, uh the Three Rivers, Big Jim, um, because you guys are setting up the equipment for us. And so that's just another important aspect being able especially the new guys to get them properly spined arrows getting their brace height right educating them on how to um use the equipment um you know we and you we know you're driving putting in the time and oh, effort yeah. to get to these events and it's it's not like uh it's it's some kind of get rich uh business no. dealing no, with the one percenters no um so we no. we we definitely uh praise uh, all you guys for for uh, putting in uh, the work and the time to getting guys started and keeping guys going. The biggest thank you I get is when somebody calls me or sends me a picture and says, I got it done. (laughs) Like I say, I feel like I was there with them. And it just, you can't imagine the feeling of knowing you helped somebody get things set up right and they go out and make it happen. You just think it's all worth it. That's when you've drove that. 900 miles up here and you get that call <laughs> it was worth it yeah, yep awesome. how many shows are you going to a year oh 15 18 i don't know I, i'm afraid to count 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? I am at www.thenockingpoint.com, or if you want to email me, it's info at thenockingpoint.com. I am in, I have a Sand Springs, Oklahoma address. We're on the internet. We have a Facebook page that my wife kind of takes care of. That's a little above me, but she's the brains <laughs> of the outfit, so she takes care of that along with the loose ends that I always leave. Uh, I just want to let you guys know, I really appreciate the opportunity to visit with you here, oh. and I'm just thrilled to uh, have met you all this week, and whether you like it or not, I'm going to consider you guys friends from now on, so yeah. there yeah. it is. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. It's just, you're you're part of us. We're all part of the same group, and traditional archery and events like this is always making new friends, and... Like our motto is, we've got two mottos with a knocking point. One, we don't just sell it, we use it. And the other one is, I don't want customers, I want friends. I love it. I love it. So for everyone listening, if you guys can make it out to this event next year um, or just get online and become a member, Compton's Traditional, um, it's the best organization to be a part of. Um, Sign up a friend right now. You can be entered to when a black canyon longbow right yeah that that ends today but i'm sure they'll have i'm sure they'll have another awesome promotion next year um you know support guys like uh terry at the knocking point um he's uh you know helping keeping the things going for us uh for all us traditional bow hunters um don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and tell a friend we're on itunes stitcher podbean google play um Check us, check us out on our website. We've got a brand new website up, tradquest.com. Uh, support the podcast. We've got hats and shirts and stickers and probably some other cool stuff coming down the pipe. Um, check us out on Instagram. And always, keep the wind in your face. Pick a spot and shoot keep straight. Them sharp. <laughs> keep and them keep sharp. them sharp. There you go. I love there it. You. Thank you, guys. Thank hey, you. Thank you. Thank you.